Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today, October 27th, 2022, we continue our series, Chronicles of the Kingdom, Lesson 42, Kingdom Revival. And what a topic for today. Last week, we talked about kingdom awakening. This week, we're going to talk about kingdom revival. And to understand that awakening leads to revival, revival leads to renewal, and renewal leads to the kingdom of God. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we first have to understand that we are in darkness and that the call of God comes out and we are awakened. And that awakening brings revival. And revival means to bring life, to bring back from the dead. It's like the life of God is now being imparted to those of us who were dead. And we've been revived. We're now living again. And then that leads to renewal. God wants to renew our lives. And so much of renewal goes hand in hand with restoration. Because to be renewed, to be refreshed, to be restored back from a broken state. And so many of us are broken by the darkness of this world. And we have to understand that people have been transformed by the, quote, revival fire. I'll get a little old time here when we talk about the fire of revival, you know. But there's something to that. And it's like a fire because it burns away the junk in our lives that we don't really want, the stuff that wants to hold us back, the stuff that wants to destroy us. God just burns it out of us and our hearts ablaze with love and passion for him and his righteousness, his kingdom. And this is happening with people all across the world. Uh, People are experiencing deeper levels of intensity in their worship and desire for relationship with God. And they want to continue to develop that. With revival, there is a tangible presence of God that is felt. And yes, miracles are occurring amongst God's people. It's not a fairy tale. Miracles really do happen amongst God's people, especially a people that his spirit is reviving and revival is occurring. And ultimately, we need to understand that with revival comes a longing for an intimate relationship with God. And you see, this intimacy with God leads to a greater increase in revelation about God's kingdom. What does it mean to be a citizen, a child of God? What does it mean to live 
in the rule in the kingdom of God. And this increasing revelation exposes a need of significant changes in our lives. See how positive we need to meditate on that because many people, they want revival. And when by revival, they mean they want to have a good time. They want fuzzy feelings. They want God's presence. They want miracles, but they don't actually want to change. And they definitely don't want to be convicted of changes. But when you stand in the presence of God and you stand in this area where he takes away all the stuff that is destroying you and you find freedom and love and you want to be in his presence, suddenly with this comes revelation of of the knowledge of his kingdom and being a child and and walking in this in this position and suddenly you realize that changes in your life must be made. He has freed you to do that. He's freed you so that you're no longer in bondage to the sin that holds you down. But you also have to make changes in your life. You can't go back to living the same life. You have to change. You now have to seize the opportunity that God has given you. And that may mean leaving a religious past. And I've been talking a lot about religion this last year because this is one of the things that is destroying most Christians is the religion, the rituals, the human works that we have adopted. And because of that, things like holiness, purity, righteous living, religion has no cares for those things because it's all about ritual. But once you step into the God's kingdom and he frees you, these things suddenly matter. And you begin to seek after holiness, purity, and righteous living. Because that's what God's called you to. And this is difficult to experience because we're in the midst of an ever-increasingly dark and degenerate world. I see people, they thought the world was dark and perverse in the 90s, in the 2000s. What we have seen here in the last 10 years, and may I say even as recently as the last five years, has been a level of darkness and wickedness that is descending that has not been seen in thousands of years. And as God calls out to us and begins to awaken us, it brings up the fact that repentance and brokenness is needed. God's people, we awaken and we realize that we're in darkness and it breaks us. It breaks us. But you see, repentance and brokenness leads to an intense passion for the presence of God. It leads us to, I need God. I need the Lord. I need his freeing hand. There are many of you that need miracles in your life. You need God to show up. But it begins with the awakening that leads to brokenness and repentance before God. That, how did I get in this place? We need to wake up and go, "How God, how did I get here? And we break and we cry out for him. You know, the word says that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. One of the lies of the enemy is that once you have messed up, God doesn't want you near him and you can't go to him. I see so many people 
especially Christians, they, they fall into sin. And the first thing they do is they run away from church. They run away from other Christians. They feel ashamed. And they think that by running away, they're going to make their life better. When in reality, they need to embrace God. They need to draw near to him. Because it's in that moment of being broken before him and crying out, Lord, I feel ashamed. And coming before him in that stage that his presence shows up. His deliverance and miracle-working power transforms. And that's what God does. He transforms. God's kingdom transforms us. And you see, there's a major shift that is beginning to take place in God's people. It's a, it's a transformation that we can no longer be earthly-focused beings, but we need to be heavenly-focused beings. One of the lies I've heard so many times in my life is that we need to not be so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good. And that's a lie from the pit. Because if we're not heavenly-minded, we can't even begin to think about helping those on earth. It wants us to stay in earthly thinking, in carnal thinking, in the ways that Satan rules this dark world. You know, the enemy would just be fine. If you want to go to church, you want to just be religious, he'll allow you to do that. But he doesn't want you actually thinking the way heaven thinks. Why? Because heaven kicked him out. Heaven wants nothing to do with Satan, wants nothing to do with darkness. And ultimately, we don't want anything to do with it. Now, I know people, they say, oh, I love Satan. I love darkness. You go witness and people walk by saying, hell, Satan and stuff. Listen, they have no clue what they're saying. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. They don't know what they're saying because hell is not a party. None of them are asking for people to torture them forever and ever in burning torment. They do not understand what they're asking for because they have believed a lie and the system. But there's a shaking, a shifting taking place amongst God's people that we have to quit thinking like the world. We've been doing that here in the United States and our country is falling into a darkness and a level of depravity. And we can't, we can't even begin to hope to get out of it by thinking that if we just elect the right person to office in our government listen government can't save us from this darkness no government can and any government that says they can is just another dictator waiting to come and and kill everybody government is never the solution god is the solution transformation from god's power is the solution and it begins by us beginning to become heavenly focused people i'm going to put my mind on things above I want my mind on things in heaven. I want my heart in heavenly places. And this transformation for Christians really begins to transform our ideas from a this is my church emphasis to God's kingdom emphasis. And what I mean by that is that there are so many believers, congregations, ministries, and we talked about this in the divided heart We want to build our own kingdoms. 
I know many pastors and many good men, they're trapped and deceived into this building my own kingdom mentality. And they say they're not, but yet they are. And they talk about the church age, but it's really not the church age, it's my church age, as opposed to God's kingdom emphasis. But God's beginning to awaken us and make us realize that, listen, we need to break free of these religious bonds. We need to, we need to get our minds in heavenly places because there's a shaking that has begun on this earth and it's only going to grow stronger, especially as the voice of God speaks from heaven to us. He is speaking to this planet and there will be a day when trumpets will be blown. And when his voice is heard, we need to respond. You know, he is speaking passionate pleas to us to repent and turn from dead works. That is what the Spirit of God is saying. The Spirit of God is out there saying, please repent and turn from dead works. There are many, there are many ministries. There are many men speaking, and they're not speaking these things. They, they speak about, oh, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. But you don't ever hear the words, repent and turn from your dead works. Listen, open up the book of Revelation. God speaks to the seven churches. And he's telling all but two to repent. And the two that he doesn't tell to repent, he's saying, hold on. Hang on in the midst of this tribulation that is about to come upon the world. But the others he tells to repent. Turn from dead works. Now, I understand. I don't want to beat a dead horse. I don't, I'm not talking about let's return to fire and brimstone preaching. But there needs to be this idea if we want God's presence, if we want awakening. I want awakening. I hope you want awakening. We all want revival. But it begins with repentance and turning away from our dead works and being religious and feeding this form of Christianity, which is, not reaching people. I know many people that don't want God and they're not interested in God, and they but they think that God is about, and then they point to this dead religious works, these dead religious services. That's not God, and that's not Christianity. And we as believers need to wake up and understand that God is pleading with us. And there is a shakening that is happening on the world. And the shakening is is the wake-up call. It's the wake-up call to the lost, but it's also the wake-up call to those of us to light our wicks, like Matthew 25 and those virgins waiting for their bridegroom to come, that we need to light up our oil. We need to turn away from the world in darkness and light the light. It's not good to ignore the voice of God. And it's not good to fail to adjust to the season of revival that is at hand. Think about that. When revival shows up, we need to adjust ourselves to that season. And we are in a season. Now, I've talked about these churches and ministers that they don't always, many of them are good. Now, there are some bad ones that are just fake. But there are many good ones that have bought in to the, the lies. And they've become false prophets impure ministers. We, we see it all the time on the news. Such as this big pastor just fell into sin. Such as this pastor just divorced his wife. I have seen, and it breaks my heart, 
many ministers right here in my area that have just upped and divorced. And I, they all have different things. Some are just bad. Some are good men and they just came home and their wives are doing crazy things. And But in the end, a marriage is two. It takes two to tango. Some are still believers, but some it, it destroyed their faith. And when it destroys your faith, it makes you question, did they even believe to begin with? Now, I'm not a Calvinist who thinks, well, they were never believers to begin with. When they themselves would not, not look at you and say, well, that's why I don't believe, because I did believe. And people like you, that religion, that old crusty lie has now pierced their heart in such a way that's caused them to turn away. Because here they are in their damaged state, and all they can see is the religion looking back at them instead of the presence of God. Yes, there's there's false prophets, there's false teachers, there's false ministers among us. There are also men, good men of God that have been destroyed by the enemy, have been destroyed by religion because they trusted a lie. They just trusted a lie. I'm not going to deny these things are there, but what I want to speak today is that God's aware of this. Look at Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to look at two passages, and there there are many parables, but I'm going to look at two of them. Starting in verse 24 through 30, this is Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Jesus is teaching. He says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So when the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. If you go down to verse 36, we're going to read verse 36 through 43 because Jesus is going to interpret what he just said. Turn to verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares in the field. And he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom, all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, there's a lot there, but I want us to understand the general gist of the story. God is aware 
of the false teachers, the false prophets, the false pastors, the false churches. God is aware of these things. And we as believers need to quit being afraid of them. They're there. God has allowed them to be there. They're going to grow up. And as they grow up, they will show themselves to be terrors. In other words, they will show themselves to be what they are. Which is, here he's talking about terrors and wheat. The difference between, you know, a weed and food. You know, uh, as, as young plants, you can't always tell the difference. But as they mature, you can. And as believers... Listen, when they're there, they're there. We need to be after God's heart and not worried about what the enemy is doing because God has already determined what he's going to do about them. He's going to gather them up. Those that are screaming, I'm so offended, uh, and, and, and they're practicing lawlessness. He's going to gather them up and throw them in fire. We need to be about the Father's business. People need transformation by God's presence and God's power. We don't have to be afraid of what's there. God's kingdom must grow within us. And just like in this parable, he's casting the seed. We have to understand that God has put things in us. We are the seed and he has put his seed, his word, his life within us. And we must mature to fruitfulness. Think about that. The, God has put, you know, I don't want to use the word potential because it's not potential, but God has put stuff in us. He's put a measure of faith in us, everything that we need. And so we need to be sure if we're going to mature, if we're going to become fruitful, we need to make sure that our heart is good soil, that our mind, our soul is being transformed by his word. You know, so many of our minds have been damaged and perverted and contaminated by multiple generations of religious abuse and error and demonic deception. Um, we have been trained and skilled in programs of the world programmed by the enemy. You want to talk about being brainwashed? Yeah, that, that, the enemy. we need our brains need to be washed clean because the enemy has programmed us. He's programmed us with the basic understanding and practices of the kingdom of darkness. We have been programmed with how the world works and we need a cleansing and healing from the God, from God's presence from the word of God, so that we can grow. God is renewing the hearts of his people. There is a powerful presence of God that is available to supernaturally change us if we will yield to him. Deep repentance leads to deep healing in your soul. And God is preparing us, a people, for kingdom destiny. There is a destiny. You were made for a purpose. I was made for a purpose. Together we have a destiny in Jesus Christ. We're not here by accident. The idea that 
oh, only special people have some destiny role and we're just here to live a life and someday we can be with you. No, God, God, that's like saying God made you my mistake and you'll just enjoy whatever he's side table scraps he's prepared for you. No, he's made us all for a reason and a purpose. And that purpose is therefore a destiny. And never before have the fields been more ready for a harvest. I know Jesus said, look, the fields are white for the harvest, but they're even more so today. Now is not the time to wait or to hold back. Rather, it's a time for every believer to release your gifts and the calling God has for you, no matter where it leads. It's not a time to look back at your failures. It's not a time to look back at your lack of productivity. It's not a time to look back at your past. It doesn't matter what you did in the past. God has made all things new. And we need to look forward into what He has done. You did bad in the past. You messed up in the past. He has forgiven it. He has cleansed you. He's called you forward into something new. And it's with the anointing of God, that oil of God, God's anointing, that comes from His presence. And that presence will bring a fire within your heart. And that fire is a kingdom revival within you. And there are some things that maybe haven't worked before. It doesn't matter. What God is calling to you now is today to be productive. Productive in his kingdom. Productive for the future. Productive for what God has planned for you. God is looking for those who's not going to hold back. He wants us to seek him with our whole hearts. To seek him and his will for our lives. 2 Timothy 1, 6-9. Paul is writing to Timothy. But as I read this, and I know it's Paul writing to Timothy, but it's also God's word to us. And I want you to hear the Spirit speaking to you. Verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. As you, as we read this, as I read this, as you hear this, God wants you to stir up, stir up the gift of God. The NIV says, fan the flame. That means that there's something you have to do. God has deposited his spirit within you. He's deposited his gifts within you. And you need to fan that fire. You need to fan that flame. Like in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit filled everyone. And it was like a, a tongue of fire. Listen, God has put a flame, a little, a little flame, like a candle flame within you. His spirit, he's breathed that into you. But he's calling you to fan it. He's calling you to grow that fire within you. And he says, listen, you've not been given a spirit of fear. Don't be afraid. You've been given power. You've been given love. And you've been given a sound mind. 
One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. He's saying you can fan this because he put it in you to do. And it's not about our works. It's not our works. But it's him and his purposes and his grace in us. Don't be ashamed of what he's doing. But what? We need to grab a hold that he has called us with a holy calling. And he's done it even before time began. Even before he made everything. He knew you and he's called you and he's made you for a purpose. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I just ask that by your power you'd begin to revive and awaken us, Lord. That you would transform us, God, into your people that aren't lost, that aren't in darkness, God, but we will have a passion for your presence and we will seek you, God, in these times, God. We hear your voice, God, calling out, prepare the way, Lord. So we ask that you would prepare our hearts, God, that we would receive you, God, that we would grow and mature in you, God, and that you would bring us to those points in our callings, God. Father, I pray that we would not be satisfied, that today we would all seek to take steps to fulfilling what it is you called us to do, God. Lord, I rebuke fear within us, and I ask that your love would overwhelm that, God, that perfect love would cast out all fear, God, and that you would help us to seek you, God, passionately in these dark days, God. Lord, I thank you that you freed us from our past and you made all things new. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you've been moved or touched or changed by these messages, these podcasts, that you would contact us, reach out. You can do that from our website, www.christianimpact.net. You can also email us at admin at christianimpact.net. Check out the rest of the series and teachings. And until next time. God bless. No.